GO Oswego, W249BC Mattydale, W261AC Oswego, WTKWHD2 Bridgeport, ESPN Radio. You know, I had this cheer trying to get somebody to make some noise. It's sad. Sick me, really. They have held their own again, and now they're having fun. Gerard, another perfect lob to Sidibe. Just be Alabama. Just be one of the five most tradition-rich programs in the history of the sport with the greatest coach ever. Awesome. I see Buddy throw it up. Oh, okay. Okay, Buddy. Somehow they coached me into doing this. To the rim for Gurrier. Still at his feet. He's going to go all the way. It's a touchdown. Taj Harris, Culpepper found him with a beauty. 69 yards. Nice. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. This is Orange Nation. Seth Goldberg, Mike Waters with you here on ESPN Radio and twitch.tv slash Talk. Uh, Steve, just a, a bit under the weather. He'll, he'll be all right, and we're hoping that he's here back with us here uh, shortly, and you know maybe later on in the week. But for today, we got Mike up until one o'clock, and then I'll take you solo up until two. Uh, Mike, thanks for for jumping in and, and filling the spot for us. Yeah, I feel like the practice squad player that's been activated for the playoffs. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little nervous. You're like that that Browns offensive lineman who Baker Mayfield had to introduce himself to right before the game last night, right? Yeah. Hey, my <laughs> name's Blake. Glad to meet you. I'll be protecting your blind side. That's such a strange situation. Maybe we'll get into that a, l- a little bit later. Uh, we'll have Eric Devendorf coming up at 1230 to talk some SU hoops. Heather Prusak from WIVB in Buffalo to talk Bills and the NFL playoffs coming up at 1.30, at 1 o'clock. So uh, a lot to get to. But, Mike, I, I want to start with Syracuse basketball, obviously. Uh, you know, they, they have this game against Georgetown on Saturday, and it's coming off the loss to Pittsburgh. It's coming off of, you know, a, a two-week COVID pause where you come out and you don't look particularly great and you get absolutely demolished on the boards. Uh, they go out and they win the rebounding battle, which I think is surprising in and of itself, and they get the win. And, uh, you know, it, for me on the postgame show, my big takeaway was, like, they won, right? And, yes, it got tight. It got uncomfortable maybe for a couple of minutes, but they won the game. Is, is that kind of where you are? Is there some bigger takeaway that you had to that game? No, I think you hit it uh, the, the nail right on the head there. You, you, at this point, with the way things have been going, with all the COVID pauses and coming off the loss to Pittsburgh, you're still not completely whole because you, you're, Barama Sidibe is still not back. You just got to get a win. Get, get, you know, get a win where you can. I mean, it's, it, they let one get away against Pittsburgh. Uh, they really should be uh, just a one-loss team right now with a very respectable road loss to Rutgers, and they – you know, they'd actually be looking pretty decent. Um, yeah. the, the loss to Pitt is kind of an ugly stain on the record there. It doesn't look great. Um, but I think it's going to be a while before we really start expecting or demanding uh, to to see, like, any kind of rhythm or consistency from a team that, you know, hasn't had a chance to build that yet. You know, they, they need to go through a couple of weeks here where they string four or five games in a row with no pauses and no reschedulings and 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 nobody else hurt and, and hopefully Barama Sidibe back uh, tomorrow night against North Carolina too. Yeah, I mean I I that was exactly kind of my thought is that you know the Pittsburgh loss is the one that really looks bad and it's not that you like needed to beat Georgetown for your resume but you couldn't afford another loss 
on your resume that's going to end up outside the top 100 right now. And to your point, I think that's a great point, that this team uh, not only hasn't been whole since the opener, but you know they're missing Barama Sidibe, who's a huge piece and probably would have helped in that Pittsburgh game getting some rebounds and, and keeping Pittsburgh off the glass a little bit. Uh, but you know, then you have Buddy miss two weeks, then you go on another two-week pause, and I don't know that we're ever going to see this, you know, in college basketball this year. I don't know that we're going to see a team play three weeks totally and completely uninterrupted. But, like, they could really use that. You know, they they could really use, you know, a couple of weeks here where you finally get all your pieces back. You feel good about where you are. And you can see this team at full strength. Because to your point, Mike, you know, that there, there's nothing that jumps off the resume at you. But they're also not in a terrible position. They they very well could set themselves up to just kind of be like a solid tournament team if they can keep winning some games. But I feel like they kind of need to get whole in order to do that. Yeah, because you can't take anything for granted until they are both whole and also gain a little bit of consistency and rhythm. I mean, you saw how bad they looked against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, yeah, they raced out to the big lead, but then they just gave it away. Um, if they... They had that game back. I'll say it again. You know, being a one-loss team uh, with the only loss being on the road, it's not like a eye-popping resume. You don't have a quad one win out there, uh, but at the same time, it's not a resume you necessarily have to apologize for anything on it. So, and and you are having to either apologize or make a few excuses for the pit loss now. So you, you right. you're right. You can't afford any more of those. And eventually they're going to be asked to get a few good wins. But, you know, just to show you how tenuous this whole thing is, they weren't supposed to play North Carolina tomorrow night. They were supposed to play Clemson. Yes. Carolina is supposed to have this week off. They had a Saturday to Saturday break, and they were supposed to play Clemson last Saturday. And Carolina and Syracuse were supposed to play in early January. So, you know, they're, they're kind of making up a game because Clemson went on pause and it just happened to fall in. And, and I think that's what the folks at the ACC are probably going to have to continue to do for the remainder of the season. Uh, because as teams go on pause and games are going to get postponed, you, you want to let the other teams play as many games as they can and not have to take a pause just because the team that they were supposed to play on Tuesday night can't, you know, you, you're going to try to get these teams games. Well, so, and was, so Syracuse and North Carolina come together. So Mike, I was going to bring that up because I, I think that that's going to be a really interesting aspect of this season to watch where, you know, yes, they moved the Pittsburgh game all the way up to take the place of Florida state. Okay. Well now you have an open week the the weekend of the Pittsburgh game, and that was not previously open. And I'd be surprised if Syracuse goes from February 9th to February 17th, you know, without playing a game. I'd be surprised, really, if, you know, even, even if, like, they, there's not time between, you know, their last game of the season and the start of the ACC tournament to, to kind of get a game in because they play the Monday and have that open weekend, the last weekend of the regular season. It seems this year that there's just always going to be games to make up, always going to be teams available. And the idea that you're you're going to know your schedule is is kind of, um, you know, it, it's just kind of up in the air. It was funny. On, our, on, on Saturday night, we were doing a watch party during the Georgetown game. And at some point, Danny Shays said something to me like, oh, and what time is the game next Saturday? And I, I completely blanked. I, I had no idea. And it also, like, doesn't matter, right? Because a week before the Georgetown game, we didn't know what time the game was. And then it changed twice. So, like, it, it, it doesn't matter this year. It's so weird. Yeah, and you mentioned the weekend of February 13th now, where, where Syracuse is now 
kind of have they have an open date because they moved their Pittsburgh game. And if you look through the rest of the ACC schedule that weekend, you know, of course, there's seven games and 14 teams, which leaves one team not playing on the weekend. And of course, that one team not playing is Boston College, which Syracuse has already played once and has another game scheduled against on February 20th. If another game doesn't fall through that weekend, creating uh, a team that maybe Syracuse could play, um, I would almost expect the ACC to bring Boston College into Syracuse a week early, have them play on the 13th, and create an open date for the following weekend for Syracuse. And again, you just wait and you, you either play the team that wasn't scheduled to play that weekend or you play a team that had a game fall through. But uh, And I think that's probably what exactly that's exactly what has to happen. If Syracuse doesn't end up with a rescheduled opponent there, you got to move BC up a week and let Syracuse at least kind of – it's almost like having a wild card in your right. hand. Um, and you – you have to use it. So well, on the on the weekend of the thirteenth, you have to use that wild card, even if it means bring BC in a week early and just create another wild card for yourself uh, the following weekend. Well, and I don't think that anybody wants this, but could you even see a scenario where Syracuse and Pitt end up playing anyway? Because you know, and and I know it would be a third matchup. So you, well, no, no, no. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, BC, BC could open, but there are three teams. Um, you know, I, I, I kind, I'm kind of curious, like if, if there would be a, a scenario where somebody would play three times in a year, you know, if Syracuse would play a Pittsburgh or a Boston College three times rather than just the two because they just happen to be available. And this year, more than any other, you know, forget who you're playing, just play, right? Just get that number of games to, to 20 or 23 and, and move on with your season. I would definitely entertain that idea. I think it's a good one. And I I would definitely play a team three times versus not play at all on a given weekend just because, oh, the only team available was the team you already played twice. No, play another game. Yeah, you know, you might end up playing somebody three times anyway if you get them in the ACC tournament, right? So in terms of the NCAA's computers and their net rankings and the RPIs and all that, who cares? Uh, more than anything else, you're going to need a game. Yeah, I think there's no question about it. You're going to need games. Here's one other one um, that I might as well throw out because we've got you on the line uh, you know, for the hour. Is there any chance of adding non-conference games, or is that totally out the window? Like if, if for some reason there was you know, some weird weekend, like, like take the 13th, for example, uh, no other game falls through and the ACC decides, you know what, instead of Syracuse and Boston College or Syracuse and Pittsburgh, we're going to have Pittsburgh play Boston College. Could Syracuse go out and add a non-conference game to their schedule, or is that like not allowed by the ACC at this point? I don't think there's anything that prohibits them from doing that. I think there's a few things that would get in the way. Uh, first of all, the other conferences are all have their schedules. So, you know, where are you going to find an opponent that you're going to want to bring in? And, and also, you know, if you're Syracuse, at that point in the year, you don't want to play Albany. You know, with all due respect, you, you don't want to play a team that, Right. offers you nothing in terms of enhancing your resume. Um, you know, that's just a, that's a no-win situation just for the idea of going out and running up and down the court and, and playing in Albany. Um, are you going to get – can you get a Big East team in? And, again, the schedules are going to make it really tough. The other thing, too, is I – you know, it would have to be mandatory that the other team is wearing the chip devices that yes. Syracuse has been wearing because you can't do what ha – you know, or have happened – uh, what happened after the Buffalo game where, you know, Buffalo wasn't doing the same sort of contact tracing Syracuse was and Syracuse had to go into a two week hold 
because Buffalo uh, wasn't taking the same measures. So, you know, nothing nothing prohibits playing a non-conference team at this point, but I think there's a few things getting in the way and probably unlikely. Yeah, I, I would imagine it's difficult. It was just kind of an idea that popped up because, if, you know, look, if you're playing in the Wild West anyway, um, you know, and, and making up the rules as you go along, you, you might as well go all in and, and you know, bring St. John's or Villanova to the Dome in February if if both teams have open weekends. It's it's just kind of a weird year, and, uh, you know, let, let's kind of see what happens. But bringing it back to at least more current and the here and now, uh, I, I'm seeing that Jim Beheim's on the ACC Zoom teleconference, uh, you know, kind of as we started the show, and he mentioned that Barama is a game-time decision for tomorrow night. It seems like that status hasn't changed all that much since where we were, you know, last Wednesday, where it seemed like he was kind of a game-time decision in that, like, they thought he was going to go. It turned out he couldn't. I feel like we're in the same spot. He's practicing a little. They they think he might be able to go, and, and he might not be able to. I think it's changed a little bit uh, over the last week. I don't think Barama was necessarily a game-time decision against either Pittsburgh or Georgetown. I think they knew well in advance, uh, probably like a day before even, uh, that, listen, he's got soreness. He's not going to go. Um, I don't think he practiced leading up to the Georgetown game. So, again, he's, you know, not a game-time decision. That They knew he was out. The thing is, is, you know, guys like you and me, we have to wait until game time or a little about an hour, an hour and a half beforehand and start counting heads as the guys come <laughs> right. out of the locker room, you know, and like, OK, uh, everybody's been out on the court except for Barama. Uh, and we're now about 45 minutes away. So we're going to assume he's not playing and, you know, wait for official words. So the fact that Jim is now saying that he's a game time decision, I think, is actually a medical upgrade. Uh, it probably means that he did work out yesterday uh, when they practiced. And, of course, they'll have another practice today. You know, if he can go in, in practice and then wake up tomorrow morning and not have any knee soreness, I, he's going to go. And, and they desperately need him uh, because if you look at North Carolina's front line, oh, my goodness, uh, between Bacot and, and Garrison Brooks. Oh, they need a Dayron body. <sighs> Listen, Marek Dolezal is not making through that game, playing the entire forty minutes before fouling out or getting or with know, all just, his teeth, or with <laughs> all his teeth. Better than I was going to do. Absolutely right. Listen, you know, Dayron Sharp is 6'10", 260 pounds. You know, I, the Armando Bacot is is about two hundred and forty pounds, and Garrison Brooks is about the same. Marek Dolezal weighs two hundred and one pounds. I mean, are you kidding? Now, they got to have Barama Sidibe back for this one. Um, if they don't, you know, the only way to combat it is is to make life so hard on North Carolina's bigs in terms of defense and make it hard for them. And maybe you're only going up against one big because you're going to have to force Roy Williams to go a little smaller at the four. Um, you know, kind of what happened against Georgetown the other night. As good as Quadis Wahab was – out there early on, eventually he didn't play as many minutes as you would have thought because Georgetown was having a hard time guarding Syracuse uh, because Quadis couldn't keep up with, with Marek on the, on the, on the defensive end there. Right. So uh, that's what you have to do sometimes when you have no answer for the other team on the boards or on your defensive end, you got to force them to make a change actually uh, by what you do on your offensive end. Yeah, and that's something that Syracuse does have with Marek at, at the five. You know, it's it's a disadvantage defensively, uh, but certainly, certainly an offensive uh, advantage for the Orange. Let's take a timeout. I want to get to something else that I'm seeing Donna DeTota tweet here and, and something that just seems to confirm 
uh, what I'd imagine we knew as it relates to Syracuse basketball and COVID. Uh, we'll do that next. we got Eric Devendorf coming up in about 15 minutes. Plenty to get to here on Orange Nation. Mike Waters with me, Seth Goldberg, here on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Back here on ESPN Radio, Seth Goldberg with you up until 2 o'clock. Our thanks to Heather Prusak from WIVB in Buffalo, to Mike Waters from Syracuse.com, the Post Standard, and for uh, for Eric Devendorf, former Syracuse guard and my co-host here on the pregame show. All of them joining us throughout the show. Phone lines are open the rest of the way at 315-437-7644. Got to tell you about a giveaway. You can only win this if you're watching with us on twitch.tv slash Sports Talk. It's not too hard. Just dial it up. Uh, twitch.tv slash Sports Talk. Hit the follow button and toss a, a comment in our chat. We're giving away a chocolate pizza from the Chocolate Pizza Company to whoever has the closest score on tonight's college football national championship game. So all you have to do, twitch.tv slash Talk. Pump in uh, your score for tonight's game. Who's going to win? And you could win a chocolate pizza from the Chocolate Pizza Company. I love it. We're seeing some guests pour in uh, already. Uh, 58-41 Bama, 38-21 Bama. 38-27 Bama. Uh uh, to CBW, your question, uh, guesses must be submitted before the end of the show, before, let's say, 155, because then we then we, we kind of cut off the stream and it goes on to the next one. So before, like, 155, you've got to have your guesses in uh, to be eligible for the chocolate pizza company, Chocolate Pizza. Now, see, if somebody was a, a, uh, a betting man, they might wait till the end here, as as the early guesses have all been Bama. Somebody might want to wait until the end here and and throw a guess of Ohio State with whatever score. And then if Ohio State wins, you might be the only one with Ohio State, and uh, you would win. So we'll we'll see how that uh we'll see the how, how that kind of uh plays itself out. And we'll remind you about that as we go on through the rest of the afternoon here. I wanted to talk NFL playoffs because we just had Heather on to talk about the Bills, and I thought that the Bills game uh, was a really fun game to watch. I thought it was a really good game. And again, the Bills get out with a win, their first playoff win in, uh, I mean, forever. And so you're really happy for the Bills. You're really happy for uh, that franchise city, the fans, and and all that kind of stuff. However, um, you know, curious to see what they can do moving forward. I think that they'll beat the, the Ravens. I I really do. I don't know that this is a team that's going to get to the Super Bowl just because of the, the Kansas City Chiefs, just because you've got that team out there. Uh, but they should beat the Ravens this weekend. I think that the Bills are the better football team uh, when you're talking about those two, when you're looking at how these two teams match up. Josh Allen's been incredible this year. Josh Allen uh, got Buffalo out to an early lead. Uh, you know, they they held a 7-3 lead. They held a, a 17-10 lead going into the fourth quarter. They were up in that game, and, and you know, it, it forced the Colts to do some things that maybe they weren't comfortable with. But to, her, to Heather's point earlier, uh, 
Philip Rivers answered every call as far as having to throw the ball. Like, answered every challenge in that game. And so I, I think that if you're looking at this from a Bills perspective, if they can do the same thing next week, if they can go up something like 24-10, to 10, I think that you've got to be pretty happy with where you would be. 24-10 in the fourth quarter against that Baltimore team, I think you've got to be pretty happy and pretty comfortable with where you'd be because Lamar does not throw. Lamar Jackson does not throw the ball as well as Phillip Rivers. And running the ball, clearly, we know this, takes more time off the clock than throwing the ball. It's not as efficient. It's not as effective. So if you can be up by two touchdowns at the start of the fourth quarter, you're going to be in great position. And I think that the Bills will be able to do that given the offense that they've put together. Stephon Diggs has been incredible, an incredible addition. I think that's got to be even better than any Bills fan, media, player, front office member. That has to have gone better than anybody could have expected because you know that Stephon Diggs is good. You know that Stephon Diggs is incredibly, incredibly talented. That being said, um, I don't think that you thought he was going to go for you know, the, what, 12, 1,300 yards and be an all-pro and be this good, this consistently great. I don't know that you expected him to totally transform the way that your offense looked. Obviously, that's the hope, right? That's the hope when you trade for a guy like Stephon Diggs. But I don't know that anybody expected it to this extent this quickly. The game that stood out the most to me, though, is what we watched last night. Because... When you're the Cleveland Browns and you've been a laughing stock for 20 years, and you haven't made the playoffs in 18, you have not won the playoffs since 1994 when Bill Belichick was your head coach. And you go out and you do that. And on the first play of the game, you just blow the doors off the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you blow them away again with another turnover and another turnover. And you just jump down their throats to the point where you're up 28 to nothing. That is stunning. And that would be stunning if everybody was healthy, if they had their full complement of players, if they had their head coach on the sideline. That would be stunning the way that game turned out. But to do it without your head coach, without the majority of your defensive secondary, without offensive linemen, and to still be as successful as the Browns were, I think is just um, remarkable. It was remarkable to watch how that game played out. I don't think the Browns are going any further than this. I think that they're going to run into Patrick Mahomes, they're going to run into a buzzsaw, and especially if they don't have players healthy, if they don't have that secondary healthy, Mahomes is going to tear them up in a way that Ben Roethlisberger simply could not. But with that being said, they had one awesome win on their ledger. One win that I never could have seen coming already on the books. So I think that that's um, an incredible game, and it was a whole lot of fun to watch. I mean, that was... um, Fun to watch, as, as and Heather mentioned this, and, and Alan Chris said it on TV, it felt like 20 years of, of frustrations just kind of pouring out of them. All in one night. Exercising some of those demons and moving on. And the, Bill, the, the Browns look set up for the long term here. They look set up for Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski to, to go ahead and do something big uh, in Cleveland, which is, is certainly a surprising spot to be in. 
Let's take a time out here. We'll come back. Today's business on the other side on ESPN Radio, twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. Back on Orange Nation, half an hour to go on a Monday show. Don't forget, if you have not yet entered our contest... You could win a chocolate pizza from the Chocolate Pizza Company. All you have to do is go to our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Talk. Give our page a follow, get in the chat, throw your prediction for tonight's college football national championship game in there. Whoever guesses the closest will win our chocolate pizza from the Chocolate Pizza Company. So that remains open until the end of our show. We'll, we'll put about 20 minutes on the clock uh, until the end of the show today here on Orange Nation. And we're going to bring in Jordan, our producer for today's business. Jordan, what do you have for us? Let's, uh, let's do this. And a little update on last week's today's business. Texans quarterback Deshaun. Oh, no, Jordan disappeared. Now we've got an idea as to where Deshaun Watson wants to go. He said that he may be willing to waive his no-trade clause to go to Miami. You think that's a good landing spot? Um, I think, yeah, why not? Um, I I think that it would be. I think it makes sense for a number of reasons for Deshaun Watson. Uh, First off, the, the Dolphins have a ton of draft capital to give up. They could also throw in a quarterback so that the Texans don't need to take a quarterback with the pick that they would be getting back that they had given away. And I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, the other thing that I, I I think is important to note in this uh, in this specific uh, report is that um, is that you look at uh, you look at some of the complaints that Deshaun Watson has levied. Right? He's he's annoyed with the ownership. He's annoyed at the lack of of movement on social causes. That he's annoyed that Eric Bieniemy didn't get. Uh, an interview that he wasn't in the GM process that you know what whatever the reasons are um, you know and and some of them have had to do with racial issues and social justice issues um, the idea that maybe the you know maybe the idea that the Dolphins do have a black head coach and a black GM is not something that should be discounted in Deshaun Watson's you know picked choice of a landing spot. I don't know that that should be discounted either. Um, I, I think that realistically, how this works is the Dolphins would, uh, the Dolphins would go ahead and be right at the front of everything because they've got tons of draft capital, largely due to the Houston Texans. And what a mess that would be, right? Just on like a trade perspective, what a mess that would be that. The Texans trade away DeAndre Hopkins, get nearly nothing in return, trade for a left tackle in Laramie Tunsil, and give up a whole bunch of picks. And then, just to get those picks back, right, just to get back to zero, to even, to where they started, just to get back to that point, they've got to trade a franchise quarterback. They've got to trade a quarterback that they have never had, and there is no guarantee that they will ever have moving forward again. Like, think about that for a second. The awful, terrible mismanagement that Bill O'Brien put that franchise through that 
they've lost every pick that you could imagine or that you would want over the next couple of years. And just to get some of them back, they might have to trade the guy that they should be building around. It's just another level of mismanagement that we haven't seen. Certainly not doing a good job. I think that's fair to say. Oh, you think? Yeah, let's... Let's move on from Bill O'Brien's mismanagement of the Houston Texans organization and go to something more fun. Yesterday, the Saints-Bears game was simulcast on Nickelodeon. It featured slime cannons, SpongeBob animations, and Mitch Trubisky winning the MVP Nickelodeon Valuable Player, along with some really, really bland choices for favorite ice cream uh, flavor of some of the players. What stuck out to you yesterday, Seth? Uh, Of course, Noah Eagle called that game Syracuse Lump. Yes, Noah was awesome. Nate Burleson was awesome. The the two kids from Nick were great. Um, I I watched it the entire afternoon. I did not once put on Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Uh, Not once yesterday afternoon. Um, I think first off, I think the first correction that we have to make is Slimalcast, not Simulcast. I think that's fair. I didn't catch that, but that's a good one. I think that's fair. Um, I loved it. And and to be totally honest, like, yeah, there were bells and whistles. There were slime cannons in the end zone. There were, um, you know, there was a bucket of slime that eventually got poured over uh, Sean Payton's head. Uh, there was a lot going on, you know, and, and the first down marker was fun and different and had kind of slime waves through it. And uh, uh, young Sheldon was showing up and SpongeBob was showing up. And there was a lot going on. Uh, but how about just, like, strip it all down and think about what they were doing on the broadcast. Uh, they were, like, teaching you football. They were talking in simple terms. It wasn't complicated. It it was, like, a way to engage young fans. And, you know, also, they were having fun talking about it. And and watching that, I was kind of surprised. Like, I, my my first thought, honestly, after watching for, like, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour... I thought it was brilliant. Like, I thought it was genius. And I was surprised that it hadn't happened before. Because when you're constantly looking for ways to get people involved in in a sport, any sport, football, baseball, basketball, you know, you name it, uh, you need to get them involved young. You need to get them interested young. So the idea that their favorite cartoon characters want to be on, you know, want to watch football, the idea that young Sheldon is explaining flags, uh, the the idea that, you know, they, they've got people from all that in the broadcast booth um, and, and that Nate Burleson is saying like, hey, first downs are homework. Getting in the end zone is is the final exam. Like, I, I think that all of it was just so brilliant. And I, I can't believe after watching it that it, it's not something that hadn't been done before, because, yeah, you start off with with the kids who are, who are just getting into sports and everything. Uh, but eventually they migrate over. Eventually they decide, you know what, I don't want this kid stuff, but I like this football thing. And they watch your real broadcast. And, and they become football fans or they become baseball fans or basketball fans. And it's so important. And, and all these leagues are looking for ways to get the young viewer involved. Uh, something like this makes all the sense in the world. Major League Baseball take notes. Let's move on to something else from that game, not necessarily for the kids, but uh, for the adults. At the end of that game, the Bears scored a touchdown. Phenomenal one-handed grab by Jimmy Graham, who then said, I'll see you on the plane, guys, and he ran straight to the locker room. After that, the Bears did not attempt an extra point or a two-point conversion, and the spread was 10-and-a-half. Seth, how many people were at home banging their heads against their coffee tables? Like, what is happening here? Not great. 
Not great. I was I was kind of hoping that Noah Eagle was going to have to explain a bad beat on Nickelodeon. I would have I would have enjoyed that. Uh, but yeah, that that would have been something. Um, yeah, it's that's a weird rule too because that just changed, didn't it? Where you used to have to kick the extra point, you used to have to do something, and they just recently decided like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. Was that after the fail, uh, the the hail mary uh, in Seattle? They changed that rule. I don't remember exactly when, but per our Twitch chat, the rule changed in 2018, and I, I trust those guys when it comes to betting. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I do too, but I, I remember the the Hail Mary, and that was earlier. I mean, that was 2012, I want to say. Um, the, the, the the Hail Mary in Seattle, that was caught by both uh, both teams, and they just had no—the replacement refs had no idea what they were doing. Um they all had to like wander out of the, the locker room after they were just annoyed beyond belief— that the call stood and they had to kick an extra point that didn't matter. So I'd, I'd imagine that it, it somewhat stemmed from that, right? Probably. I, I I imagine around that time they were much more focused on getting those freaking awful replacement refs out of there. And then <laughs> exactly. The exactly. <laughs> Probably has something to do with that. We'll, uh, we'll go to our last one. There's a pretty big football game tonight, huh? Oh, we, is uh, there? We talked about it in our Twitch giveaway. Um. Comment your guests as to tonight's final score, by the way, and you could win a chocolate pizza from the Chocolate Pizza Company. But Ohio State, Alabama, this one's for all the marbles, the national championship. Alabama currently favored to win by nine points behind their three-headed monster they've got on offense. What do you think, and Seth, is nine about right? Are we going to see a garbage football game tonight, or are we going to have a good one till the end? No, I think Alabama's going to throttle them. <laughs> I, I do. I think Alabama's just so much better. Uh, then I think they're just so much better than than everybody else, really. And I, I do think uh, that the next best team in college football this year was Clemson. Uh, Ohio State got them, got them really good. I, I don't think that they're going to play that kind of a game against Alabama. And, you know, what we see tonight will be interesting, whether it is, you know, Alabama is able to stop them defensively or just an all-out shootout. The idea to me that a Nick Saban team has just been scoring at will all season is just an absolute juggernaut offensively. And this has been a couple of years now, but it's taken even another step this year. The idea that they're just so good, so efficient, putting up points in so in such crazy bunches is wild. Because think about what they were, what, not even five years ago? Where it was like painful to watch their offense move, where they couldn't put the ball anywhere downfield, and you were just hoping that their defense was going to do something, and you knew that their defense was just going to shut you down completely, so the offense didn't have to really score. Um, the idea that Nick Saban looked at things at some point, and I'd probably imagine that it was around the same time he was getting beaten by Johnny Mansell and Hugh Freeze, but uh, around that time, he he looked at things and was like, you know what? I'm the greatest college football coach of all time. I do it this one way, but this one way doesn't work anymore, and I've got to do things differently. And you bring in Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, and you do things differently. I, I think it's a remarkable testament to uh, to Nick Saban as a guy, again, who is the greatest college football coach ever. Uh, you don't get that by being stagnant. And the idea that he can so uh, drastically change his approach and his identity of his team um, it is something remarkable. There's a, there's a reason he's the greatest, Seth. There's a reason he's the greatest. That's that's all I've got for you. No doubt about it. Thanks, Jordan. And uh, that'll do it for today's business. Let's take a timeout. You got 10 minutes. I'm putting you on the clock. 10 minutes 
to get into our Twitch chat, twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk, and follow us and give us a prediction on tonight's game to uh, for your chance to win a chocolate pizza from the Chocolate Pizza Company. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, wrap up the show next here on ESPN Radio.